Hey, Chris, how you doing? Doing well over here. How's everything, Eric? Doing good. Just got back from a family vacation, so well-rested and uh, ready to, to get this going. Nice. Love to, love to hear it. Uh, probably a little on the opposite end of the spectrum. Just got back from Paris recently after a very productive EFCC and still catching up on, on the lack of sleep for over there. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm all rested up and you're still <laughs> trying to figure it out, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, you gotta, gotta put a couple hours in the sleep bank and catch up and get back. It feels good to get back to a regular uh, schedule yeah is, oh, is well that's you that's true even for me like uh, even though you know vacations are fun it's still not the same as you know resting at home so I still got to get back into the groove of things absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my biggest thing is it feels good to be back at my own desk <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's just your safe space right there so that's good um, so Chris, this is actually episode number 10 on our scaling Bitcoin session. So congratulations on being the, the 10th protocol that we, uh, get the opportunity to host and, and chat with. So I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I think this would be a good opportunity, Chris, for you to introduce yourself. Absolutely. Uh, hi everybody. So I'm Chris from Ununify, uh, head of ecosystem over here. Uh, and Unify is an L1 uh, building NFT Phi infrastructure. Uh, we're built on the Cosmos SDK. Um, and we are kind of building for the future of NFT Phi. So supporting all types of NFT assets, whether that's PFP, art-based NFTs, DeFi-based NFTs, uh, real-world assets, GameFi, um, and then really building a multi-chain hub to kind of support the NFT fine market as it matures. Awesome, awesome. So Chris, I wanted to, you know, get to know you a little bit better. This is our first time chatting. And um, when did your crypto journey begin? Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of been something that has always been there for me ever since I was like pretty young. And I, and I do have to thank like my uncle for that. He really got me into kind of blockchain tech he he was a real like og in the space um and even probably appropriately bitcoin is is one of the first things he got me into directly and and so you know going from there i've always had an interest in blockchain technology in the crypto space um not only at first as like a retail trader and investor but also as someone who kind of wanted to build uh kind of these really cool protocols and 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 just kind of help expand worldwide adoption for for blockchain tech and and so yeah that's kind of you know came in from a retail perspective which i think a lot of us typically that's our entry point yeah and have been just slowly you know building from there so how old were you whenever your uncle started talking to you about crypto and bitcoin in particular um so the funny like anecdote about that is he he like he was a original bitcoin like miner like a real og and so like you know if if like the bitcoin story like 
takes place and we have like the Bitcoin pizzas back in like, what was, I guess that was 2010. Yeah. Right. Like he was talking about that back then. And and I probably heard about like, or at least picked up a little bit more about it, maybe like in 2011. So at that point, that point I must've been in high school. I must've been like maybe six, 15, 16. Um, and he was just like telling me everything about Bitcoin. He had a whole mining rig in his basement we used to go down there, chat about it. He would, you know, talk to me about updates and, and all of these different things. And he was definitely a Bitcoin maximalist at the time. And and I think that's kind of what really got me into it was having this like really cool, uh, very knowledgeable, like tech oriented family member, like actually kind of showing me the ropes and trying to get me into this space when it was very early and especially when I was very young. Yeah, I think I think that makes you really unique, actually, because a lot of like for me personally, like my first experience, it was just hearing from it, like from the news. Like I didn't unfortunately didn't have anyone to like guide me like that early on. So my connotations of Bitcoin were always negative, like, oh, it's used for the black market. It's used you know, to do illegal things. But it seems like because of your uncle, you always had like a positive you know, outlook with Bitcoin. So I think that that actually puts you in a different camp than most people. Absolutely. And I mean, like my relationship with crypto hasn't been like always, you know, uh, flowers rock and roses. solid since then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you have some ups and downs and, and I probably like, uh, I took like a break from the like Bitcoin train for a while. I was on the Ethereum train for a bit and became like a little bit of an Ethereum maxi. <laughs> so I've, I've, been, I've, I've hopped around and, and kind of switched uh, opinions many times. And, and I think that's just, kind of and part of being exploratory in the spaces yeah. is learning these things yeah no definitely yeah with me what got me into crypto was ethereum um uh one of my buddies um just like started talking to me about it he's like hey you should look into this and so which it's funny now because i think bitcoin was only like three thousand dollars whenever I, and i was like oh that's far that's too much like there's no way I, you know like what's the point of investing in it <laughs> So it, which seems silly now, but uh, I was like, oh yeah, Ethereum will be the next thing. I remember there was like some some deals being made, like some Ethereum alliance with Russia and some other countries, and we were all getting excited about the news. So um, yeah, like definitely Ethereum was was the one that kind of brought me into the space mostly. Um, but I, I, like to to me, it's it's just so interesting, like the relationship that people, like you said, Ethereum maxis and Bitcoin maxis can have, like. I don't know if you've heard about the talk about the flipping happening. Where, yeah, well, yeah, I've definitely, <laughs> I've definitely kind of uh, read into that a little bit. Um, personally, not a believer, but I think it just goes to show how passionate yeah. the, the communities are for sure. Yeah, I was about to ask you what, what your thoughts were on on if that was possible, but yeah, I don't see it happening just because of the the hole that Bitcoin has. But um, it's it is definitely interesting that some people feel pretty pretty strongly about it, you know. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, but that's that's uh, you know, it's kind of neat. It's kind of necessary in this space. No, no. Um, you do need to have some kind of extremely strong bias, or else um, it's very easy to kind of lose sight of like the longer vision. I think. And that's actually like a, a big fear of mine, like. When I first got into the space, I was looking at all these other ecosystems and I'm always fearful of, you know, being stuck in the eco chamber. And so I think it's good to have all these other protocols like 
competing with each other and kind of pushing each other to to you know make themselves better absolutely absolutely i mean competition is healthy and just because someone has maybe the lead or you know because we're entrenched in very mature blockchain ecosystems doesn't mean we shouldn't kind of inspire competition i think competition helps keep people on their toes and helps keep pushing innovation forward. Yeah, hundred percent. So, you know, we, we just said that we, you don't believe that the flipping will ever happened. How, do you feel like Bitcoin's put like in an unfair position? Um, like as the metric that we measure all, all cryptocurrencies, like from my experience, you know, however Bitcoin goes, that's the way the other altcoins go. So do you think like that place is deserved or do you wish it wasn't as connected as it is? I mean, I think, I think the big thing, right, is like Bitcoin has such a like entrenched uh, relationship, not only in the blockchain space, but also to like um, the traditional finance space as well. Right. And, and, to just crypto in general, it is that like entry point. It is the OG. Um, and it does have like the weight of like this really strong kind of network behind it. Right. And, and especially like trying to flip that now, I think, I think what happens is as the space matures, uh, probably like capital will deviate a little bit from Bitcoin. Right. And we'll have some of these like, really large institutional investors and whales and uh, liquidity providers um, find ways to like bring up other crypto coins. So I definitely think there's room for that. There's room for Bitcoin to be less of kind of this like holy grail, less of this like, you know, guaranteed position number one, largest crypto in the market, things like that. I think it's, it's like as the technology and as the space matures, like that's a number that has to decrease. But for now, I think it's, it's, you know, it's earned its spot and it's proven itself time over time again. And um, really, we're not really going to see like, like I said, like even like for like a flipping, I don't personally believe in that. <laughs> but like, you know, it's, it's fun to kind of explore that idea of like what other um, cryptocurrencies, what other blockchains will kind of continue to grow in the space and, and what kind of market share will they steal from Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah. Or, or I guess market cap. Yeah, the market cap. Um, so what are your thoughts on like um, like things giving Bitcoin more utility? Kind of like ordinals, you know? Yeah, I mean, we, we always had this like back and forth battle, right? Um, as to like, should should things be like built on top of bitcoin yeah. right do we need bitcoin to just not just be like a store of value or store of capital but does it also need to kind of compete in the defi sector and we have these applications built on top of it um and have it be less of just like a transact layer or, or less of a like a decentralized ledger and more of like a ecosystem where developers can build on it like ethereum right and there's, there's always been like kind of this like back and forth on that, right? Like I think like the sentiment towards that changes uh, like every like market cycle. <laughs> yeah. And right now, I think right now, Ordinals is, is a really good example of 
ways that we can like innovate on like Bitcoin and ways that we can continue to kind of explore uh, just things that can be built on top of Bitcoin. Right? Yeah. So like not even like directly like L2s on Bitcoin, but just like uh, utilities that can be added to it or developed on it. Um, Ordinals is, is interesting. Ordinals is interesting because it's like a very unique take on NFTs, right? It's like, it's a very, it's like a very Bitcoin way of doing NFTs. And there's like a lot of, I guess, divisiveness in, in whether it's actually sustainable for the long yeah. term. Um, but it is interesting to just still see the adoption for it, right? I think like when Ordinals first came out, um, it was all over the news. It was very large. And that was, that was very exciting because like in the midst of like a bear cycle, we have this really cool new tech coming out and it's uh, like very popular but also very well received i think right so yeah for the most part it's been really really well received there are some skeptics for sure like i don't know if you remember a few months ago whenever ordinals like caused like this huge congestion on the bitcoin blockchain like people were freaking out like everything's going to be extremely expensive and it's going to be really hard which i'm sure the miners didn't mind because that means that they were getting you know making more money but a lot of people were, were freaking out because of the congestion that it's causing Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's kind of it's kind of a little reminiscent of like during the bull run, the congestion that the Ethereum network experienced with like NFT mints like clogging the entire network and, and causing gas fees to rocket and things yeah. like that. It's it's a little reminiscent of that. Um and then like one one of the other things I was reading, right, was like if you just like look into Bitcoin ordinals, it like um, a lot of the rarity mechanism for ordinals is derived from like what position it represents in like a block. And essentially because you're writing directly to these moments in the block, right? You're like decreasing the fungibility of sats. And that was something that was interesting to me because I had never thought about that. I had like thought about all these other aspects of ordinals and I'd be like, wow, this is really, you know, uh, really exciting. Uh, love to see like the art space grow love to yeah. see kind of new methods to adopt bitcoin but then i saw this like one article that was like very kind of like is this actually a direction we want to take where sats become less fungible because we're trying to like specifically mark a key like rarity trait on a block or something like that um, and that was something i hadn't really thought of mm. yeah for for babylon uh that congestion really um kind of it was like an unexpected test to like our, our test net and um right just because of the of the congestion so it it was it was actually really good to to come across that because it really you know tested us but we were able to to kind of like navigate those <laughs> those waters uh as a way of saying it and uh, we, were, we were pretty happy with the outcome and uh definitely um, it, it is interesting to, to see, you know, Bitcoin get more utility because I'm sure that we'll see occurrences of the type of congestion happening again or, or even more in the future. So it's definitely interesting to, to see um, Bitcoin get more utility because it, I, to me, I think it's good because it's going to raise the price of Bitcoin. And for the miners, it should make them happy because if it has more utility, that means that there'll be more transactions going on. So there's an opportunity to to make more money off of it. So I really feel like it's a, like a positive catch 22. Uh, you, you know, it's good for the people who are investing into Bitcoin and then it's good for the people who are mining Bitcoin. Like everyone's 
should be pretty happy, except for the people doing the transactions. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and ultimately, like, I think if we look at, like, maybe scaling Bitcoin, um, finding ways to solve that, probably something that will be a kind of like a market rhetoric in the next cycle, right? Is is just finding ways to work despite like congestion because congestion is an inevitability as we just continue to grow. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, we, we've seen that in a few different, like when I first got to the Cosmos um, secret network, they, they had dealt with a lot of issues where their whole chain would sometimes get extremely congested almost to the point of a complete standstill. And so it's, it's something that I think that is is tough. It it can be dealt with. Um, So definitely, you know, it's something like you're saying that people will have to deal with that type of thing in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not inherently a bad problem to deal with, right? It's actually, it's happening for a positive positive reason. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So like, you know, overall, I don't think anyone's complaining about the increase in demand uh, for block space on Bitcoin and, and, and kind of for usage. But, you know, every time it does kind of cause a hiccup to the end user, then that's something that we need to like, okay, how do we how do we fix this for next time? And I'm like, mm-hmm. even like you said, uh, just having this opportunity to kind of almost like battle test Babylon's test net during like, high market congestion is something that's like a great opportunity to have now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I wanted to talk to you about, and I, I always love asking this question because it like, I say this every time. So I might, I might seem like a broken record. It's a, it's, it's home close to me because um, my, my family comes from El Salvador. And so um, my, my dad came to the United States um, in 1985. He was running away from the Civil War. And ever since 1985, and probably, you know, obviously before that, the governments that have been in place, it doesn't matter if they're conservative or liberal, they've all been corrupt. And so the country suffered a lot. At one point, they were, um, like, it was the most dangerous country in the world per capita, like, it, the most you know, people getting murdered. And so um, our, our country has struggled a lot. But with this new president, Nayib Bukele, um, he's brought Bitcoin into the fold. Like he, he's, uh, he's used it as a, as a digital gold, made it into legal tender. And I, I'm sure you, you know, you've heard about that. Um, and a lot of the news agencies that I see are always being negative about it. Like it's, it's kind of crazy to see how... Um, like it, it just depends who's telling you the news really to, <laughs> to determine, you know, if it's positive or negative, but um, like my mom's over there right now visiting and everyone's excited about him, number one, and then excited about having this other form of banking pretty much because a lot of people, like I think it was like 75% or 65% didn't have banking accounts. And so now that they have access to Bitcoin, they, they do have access to a banking system, uh, so, I know per, per se. So I was just wanting to get your thoughts on, on that. And then I want to ask you a few questions like about about governments legalizing, you know, crypto in general. Yeah, of course. I mean, a topic that I'm always, always happy to uh, discuss at any, at any point. <laughs> I think, I think the fun thing like um, is what we, what we see with like El Salvador, for example, is like, it really, it really is like a, almost like a pilot, right? Um, 
for the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Into like, all right, here's a real world government um, and central banking system, like using uh, Bitcoin as legal tender. And, you know, that's something that's like very risky, but it, it came out of like a place of necessity, right? Where El Salvador really needed to like, you know, find a new way to to kind of, uh, I guess, facilitate like the, these like financial transactions yeah. and then use like the blockchain for what it was like actually intended to be used for, right? I think we have like this big, especially in the, in the space that we're in, like this big disconnect between um, idealistic use cases for blockchain technology, where we're like talking about a very high level or a very like privileged experience or integration of blockchain tech and then like we have to remember that there are places globally that like can benefit from this technology not because it's fun or because it's like cool to use but because it's like it's actually something that's necessary it's like needed in these economies and so like um even like if we look at like el salvador for example like like you said a lot of people were bearish on um their kind of like integration with Bitcoin and, and being able to like use that. But then like, for example, Bitcoin's doing fine right now, price wise. Yeah. Right? And like uh, El Salvador, like I remember they had a lot of issues like earlier in the year, like with like uh, their debt. And now like they're in a much better position, relatively speaking at the moment um, because of mar- market performance. Right. And it's like, <laughs> You know, you don't hear those headlines. You only hear the headlines about like when it's down, right? And they're like, oh, El Salvador (laughs) bought Bitcoin at the top and and things like that, right? Um, But like really it it is like, again, like it's a use case derived out of necessity, right? And I think that at the end of the day, like no matter what you're building, um, if you build in mind with the fact that like people, some people globally like actually need the blockchain, um to survive right like this this technology is a thing that's not just something that we trade for fun right like blockchain tech can actually improve the lives of people Uh, if you kind of go for that perspective then you you uh it really changes the way you think i think about like crypto and blockchain tech well like like for me i just remember my parents always having to go to the bank or going to like these little cash um sites and having to pay so much money for transactions in order to even send money to the relatives in El Salvador. So for me, that's what made the most sense early on. It's like, hey, you're able to send money to your loved ones and it costs practically nothing to be able to get there, you know? And so like that that to me made a huge difference because, you know, the, the people that are working over here that just came from those countries, they're not making top dollar. And so like every little bit counts, especially back home. So yeah, like you're right. Like that, I feel like that was what kind of the first initial vision was for crypto was just to allow money to be your money and not for these banking infrastructures to take you know every little bit that they could from you. So I think that's you know been really the true vision for for it. Absolutely. I mean, like, so I'm I also come from uh, I'm, I'm Dominican and Puerto Rican, and you know, I think like. I, I grew up where, like, for example, money transfers were, like, this thing where you had to go to, like, Western Union here in New York. And, like, in order to transfer money, you're also paying an, an astronomical yeah, it makes fee. makes no sense. Right? So much, and it's, yeah. like, it's highly 
it's like highly predatory on the people who like really are, are like lower yeah. income, uh, don't have the resources to like get this money back to their families in, in other ways. Um, and so like, that's something that I grew up seeing. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, I think in a similar perspective, it's, it's like a very predatory market and it's very like, uh, it's can be solved by like some of the tech that's being built, yeah. right? Like can be solved by some of the tech that's being built right now. Yeah. So I, I grew up, um, in a, in Texas and, uh, right now that you mentioned you're Dominican and, <laughs> and Puerto Rican, this is a total squirrel moment for me. My mom, uh, learned from her Puerto Rican friends how to make the best arroz con gandules uh, ever. So props to the Puerto Ricans for <laughs> for inventing that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I won't I won't say we do it the best, but we kind of do. Uh, it's kinda it's do. good. You have some great cuisine. It's it's really good. So <laughs> that's cool. It's awesome to see you know fellow Latino person in in, in the space for sure. I, I love seeing that. So. Oh yeah, I can I can talk about uh, kind of uh, Latin presence in the blockchain space all day. <laughs> that's like that's just like something that I'm passionate about as well. But um, it's very interesting again to like see like again the different relationship that people have with crypto depending on like where they're coming from, right? Yeah. Uh, whether that's like uh, out of necessity or, or out of like you know something that you're interested in, something that's fun to you, something that you like want to learn more about. And then you have people again, like globally around the world who are just using it because they need yeah, to. Right? Yeah. So true. So true. Um, what do you think about these um, different financial entities that are trying to get EFTs uh, here in the United States? It's, it's, something that like I've been following closely for a while now. And I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's like, we're getting there. Uh, the approval odds are getting better. Right. Um, that like, we'll see one of these major institutions be able to actually like get approval to launch the ETF. Right. Um, when that happens, we start to see more like, institutional adoption right it, it just increases the legitimacy of cryptocurrency yeah. and, and i'm not talking about like all cryptocurrency i'm talking about like bitcoin specifically mm -hmm. right or like ethereum uh as like an adjacent yeah. to that right um these these are things where like the again the perspective that you need to have is like very different right it's like we're not talking about um the altcoin market or like micro crypto or things like that. We're like we're, we're talking about Bitcoin, which is like again the hallmark of like what decentralized currency could be, could have been, will be, etc. And like once this gets adoption, that's I think when we start to see like the next kind of maturation cycle for blockchain tech. Right? Um, it gets a lot easier for these larger institutions to get into the space. Um, and when that happens, right, like, I think we all benefit, right? We benefit from additional security, additional liquidity, um, additional adoption, right? It's it's like kind of one step, an additional step in like this path towards mainstream adoption. Yeah, 100% agree. 
agree. And for for me, I'm I'm hoping that countries like El Salvador are kind of putting that pressure of like regulation onto these other you know countries, especially in particular here in the United States. Um, just just seeing other like I feel like the you know like the United States gets a little bit of FOMO and wants to do something about it, so these other countries don't get ahead of it, and it'll, it'll just help out everyone to have some regulation. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, there's like two competing ideas about the regulation of blockchain tech and then the kind of anonymous decentralized aspect. Right. And I think we need to strike a balance between the two. Right. Um, There's a lot of places where maybe anonymous transactions is a necessity and blockchain tech can support that. But at the same time, regulation provides security, right? And so, like, kind of, kind of my perspective, I think, over, over time is, like, as we increase this regulation, we increase the security, but we also increase the viability, right? So we increase, like, where Bitcoin can be used. Um, and if it gets to a point where you can walk into a store in the U.S. and just, you know, spot trade Bitcoin on, like, Lightning Network for goods... Um, that's something that will have a much more profound effect on like crypto adoption overall than I think the people who argue against regulation and, and against like kind of uh, this like institutional involvement in crypto. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that. So Chris, I want to thank you so far for, you know, like answering all these questions about Bitcoin, you know, that it's... Uh been about 30 minutes of us talking about bitcoin but now i want to shift our focus a little bit and talk about more like matters on hand personally for you and i um we we have an integration announcement that we've done recently right with uh ununify yes so we're really excited about that so could you talk to us a little bit about that what entails for you guys absolutely so you know i think one one of the big things is like even today's chat is called scaling scaling bitcoin right um and Using Bitcoin to kind of enhance the security of the unified blockchain is something that's very interesting for us. And, and the reason why is because it would, it would have been very easy for us to launch the lending functionality, our lending protocol, as a dApp on other L1s. But in looking at scaling up NFT FI adoption, uh, beyond kind of the the current state of the market, we really recognized the necessity to do it as our own layer one. And, and it wasn't just for scalability, but it was also for security as well. You know, uh, when it comes to like infrastructure, it's, it's only as strong as it is secure, right? Yeah. And, and it's only as viable as its ability to support large volume through the platform. And, and so in the final version of the, ununify infrastructure when it when it's fully integrated across a variety of l1s and l2s um and we're driving millions of traffic through it and we're verifying these transactions that occur on different chains and we're kind of running it all through our back-end infrastructure um it's a process where there's a lot of opportunity for us to continue enhancing the security right and continue enhancing like how bulletproof our infrastructure is and that's something that was very important to us. And it was also something that was very interesting uh, when we first heard about Babylon. So I think, you know, I had first, I think uh, going back, I had first heard 
um, David from Babylon, co-founder or founder from Babylon, um, talking about Bitcoin security at one of the conferences here in the U.S. And it might have been um, might have been Denver. I want to say it might have been East yeah, Denver. Yeah, he, he was definitely there. So that's probably you're probably right. The first. Yeah. So I think that was my first kind of exposure to Babylon. And, you know, I, I came up to him after the conference and I had a, I had a few questions for him. And really, the, the thing I wanted to learn was kind of this scalability, but also security aspect. Yeah. Right? And, and kind of this idea of like leveraging Bitcoin for it was really enticing to us. So that's, I think, where like this idea and this partnership spawned out of was you know, that original kind of speech back in Denver and kind of learning, okay, there's actually, there's this opportunity to use Bitcoin uh, to our advantage, even if we're not a Bitcoin chain, right? <laughs> like even if we're over here uh, built using Cosmos SDK, SDK yeah. um, it's really cool to kind of see this almost this cross exposure. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. Like for me, my first uh, time learning about Babylon was last year in October at, um, at um at Cosmoverse and I just remember mm-hmm. seeing David talk and I was like holy crap like this like I was just so impressed he is so smart and he's and he has this ability to explain things so that even people like me can understand them um it w- it was just amazing really and I could not stop talking about Babylon to the, everyone everyone around me um I I'm also part of a, a team called Cosmos Spaces that we do type these type of Twitter Spaces, and um, I I made sure that I connected with them in order to like immediately when I got back home to to do a space with them, and then a few months later I reached out to to the team and told them like hey if you guys think you know there's any opportunity for me to work with y'all like I just so strongly believe in what y'all are doing that I would love to be a part of it so that that was my my journey with with Babylon and it's it's been awesome like the the team has been great. Um, David is one of the co-founders. The other co-founder is Fisher, um, but De- David's definitely the one who speaks more. So he he's more the face uh, of Babylon. But like Esther, you're saying like yeah, like it, it is really neat what Babylon is bringing to to the space. It's bringing like all this Bitcoin that is worth so much money and is able to give all these chains security because of the value that it has. Um, so it, it is really cool and also. We're trying to give more utility to Bitcoin. So uh, not just with, with like timestamping security, we're also initially, we came out about three weeks ago with our light paper for BTC staking. Um, so you, we, we are finding different ways of giving Bitcoin utility. So that's really exciting um, to do that. But um, I, I did want to ask you a little bit more about Unify because I, I know very superficial my, my knowledge about it were you uh one of the founders or, or how did was your involvement with ununify uh yeah so you know i've kind of been here from very early stages uh right now just helping to grow our community helping to grow our ecosystem like my official title is head of ecosystem and really what that entails is working with a variety of protocols both inside and outside of cosmos um, to help grow the integrations that will work with Ununify's infrastructure um, and kind of almost like being able to describe what we're doing in a, in a very easy to understand way. Yeah. And so that, that's something that we've been doing for, Ununify has been here for about a year, about a year now building. Um, Mainnet came out earlier in the year uh, or earlier last year, sorry. 
And now we're actually getting to the final stages of deploying the first version of our lending That's functionality <laughs> with Cosmos support at the forefront. Um, so working with kind of all of the largest NFT players in the Cosmos space and also working with a couple of DeFi protocols inside of Cosmos. And then we have EVM compatibility on schedule for Q4 oh, awesome. this year, which is something that's also really yeah. exciting for us as well. So like we're doing that through a partnership that we have with Polygon, for example, um, to build out EVM functionality for our infrastructure. So just a lot of moving pieces um, and very exciting time for us, I guess. No, no, it, it, it definitely is. It definitely yeah. is. It, Chris, I wanted to ask you, um, were you always involved in the Cosmos ecosystem or, or did, where did you, what did you do previously before in Unify? Yeah, so I kind of came over from the Ethereum ecosystem. Okay, so... um, that's our, I took my quick detour <laughs> into being an ETH maxi uh, for a little yeah. bit. And a lot of that came from the uh, kind of like DeFi summer, the NFT space. And I advised for a couple of uh, DeFi protocols over there in the Ethereum ecosystem and then also a like NFT protocol as well. And I think that's actually probably my experience as an NFT DGen and also as like a DeFi advisor mesh very nicely with what Ununify was working on very early stages. Um, and so kind of came in, uh, was able to help really align Ununify with the type of experience that we were looking to create and, and uh, further dial down on the products and really kind of figure out what Unify's identity was and, and who we we're looking to serve and who we we're looking to work with. Um, and that was really my like entry point into the Cosmos ecosystem. So like, uh, like a, like a quick anecdote was like very, very early into my like exploration to the Cosmos ecosystem. I actually got to go to Cosmoverse 2022 Um and back then, I really didn't know a whole lot about the Cosmos ecosystem. It was very, it was very new mm -hmm. to me. And I've been doing my research, but I also was able to meet a lot of the founders uh, there in person in Medellin. And that was very eye-opening to me. It was very eye-opening to me to like learn about the strength of the Cosmos ecosystem, the strength of the, I guess, developer talent pool that we have here. And kind of the novelty of a lot of the protocols or technologies that have been built inside of the Cosmos ecosystem. And so I, I guess that kind of also made this transition into me being a Cosmos Maxi as well now <laughs> is really like getting the boots on the ground experience and, and being like, there is all of this innovation and technology and uh, yeah, in innovation that's happening inside of Cosmos and everyone's building um, really strong technology here right yeah. and so like you know that I think was my my entry point into being like there's this kind of you know gated ecosystem for cosmos right it is it is a little you know I still I think one of the big complaints is it's still a little hard to actually get into the cosmos ecosystem but once you're in then you know the experience is fine yeah it's... and we have some really cool tech here we have some really cool protocols we have some really fun uh like apps to engage with we have we, we pretty much have everything right uh and so that was kind of like this very eye-opening experience for me uh learning about the cosmos ecosystem um i wanted to ask you 
so I know that you guys are focused on NFTs and bringing DeFi with NFTs. Um, are, are you going to have your own marketplace? Or are you planning on using Stargaze, Stash, Omniflix? How, how is that going to work between the different uh, NFT marketplaces that they're out there? Yeah, so um, we do not plan on having our own marketplace. We uh, actually considered doing it at one time, but um, we realized in order to properly scale the way we wanted to, it, it's much easier to create a kind of uh, solution that can be integrated into pre-existing marketplaces. And so the fun part is we get to work with guys like Stargaze and Omniflix and uh, maybe eventually Stash as well, for example, inside the Cosmos ecosystem to provide the like NFT DeFi functionality, the NFT lending functionality to these users, right? So it's like, it's a value add to anyone who's already interacting with these marketplaces that we can kind of build on top of. And and that was something that we were really proud of because essentially what it does is, A, it doesn't, you know, it prevents us, we don't have to compete with marketplaces. We're not competing with marketplaces. Yeah. And we're, we're also not even really competing with like other lending protocols so much because it's primarily infrastructure. So we're building out these tools that are like fully multi-chain. Um, and like this vision we have is that like at the end of the day, um, it doesn't really, nobody really needs to know that they're using ununified infrastructure and experience, right? It, there's this kind of this thing in like infra where it's like, if infra works well, it's like invisible, right? Yeah. Um, cool. And so the, the analogy I keep kind of like describing is uh, like you go on the internet, right? Uh, you check your email, um, maybe you watch YouTube, maybe you do some shopping on Amazon. Um, never do you care about the infra that makes that experience possible, right? As like a web two user. Um, nobody, nobody needs to know if the site was hosted on like Amazon yeah. web services, right? Or like if you're using Microsoft Azure, like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And that's kind of what we picture for our infrastructure as well as this experience that's like obfuscated from the user for maximum like ease of use where you don't have to necessarily maybe visit our website or visit our dashboard in order to get access to our applications. It can be white labeled and integrated into pre-existing marketplaces, dashboards, DEXs, aggregators, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad uh, that's y'all's vision because I think ultimately that's the, the vision that needs to occur in crypto in general, where you're doing using these financial, you know, things in, and if you don't know that you're even using crypto, it would be perfect. So um, I definitely think it's good to just, you know, kind of be in the background, just be that that engine that makes everything happen and people can just enjoy their experience. Absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, I think the future of blockchain is you won't even know which blockchain you're using or interacting yeah. with. And it won't matter <laughs> to you because it's like completely seamless. Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you, just because I think y'all's name is so interesting, what, what is the story between, uh, behind Ununify? Yeah, yeah. Um, a name that comes with a lot of controversy. Uh, we got a lot of feedback in Paris, <laughs> and uh, we had a lot of fun. I, if you could check my Twitter, I had a, a lot of fun uh, 
with some shirts we made uh, poking fun at the ununified name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a shirt uh, on there um, with a tweet from the Polkachu intern account. And we printed it and threw it on a shirt because it was too funny not to. Um, and basically, I just shared we, it here. we came from this idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, yeah. We, I had a great time with that. Um, and so basically, the idea was um, by being kind of this obfuscated infrastructure layer, uh, not only are we enhancing like liquidity for NFTs, enhancing adoption for NFTs, you know, promoting like exploration into NFT utility, like all these different things, but we're doing so from a very like obfuscated way, like being the back end, you know, that's that's where we're happy at is like being this back end. And then, you know, really it doesn't matter through which front end you access ununifies tech. So we don't really care kind of you know what marketplace you access our lending functionality from or what dashboard you do it from or even you know what wallet etc and again that that's kind of like our vision for what the future of the blockchain will be is just this very like integrated uh very easy to use experience where it doesn't really matter and so ununify came from this idea that we were like ununifying it's a very like decentralized <laughs> uh approach yeah. right um, and so it's a very spirited spelling for that, right? And then obviously the phi at the end is like our yeah. DeFi integration. Um, so that was kind of this like very like spirited spelling that we came up with. Um, and it, it kind of stuck. And then we kind of got some feedback that uh, it was a little hard for some non uh, like native <laughs> English speakers to pronounce or to figure out. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of also turned into a little bit of a meme at the moment. And so we're kind of uh, running with it and having fun with the name as well. Yeah, like, it definitely is an attention getter. So my suggestion is definitely keep it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we no plans on changing it unless unless everyone, do, you know, you, once once uh once all of our products live, if people are really upset about the name, they can submit a they could submit a governance. Proposal. There you go. Uh, how about that? <laughs> That's awesome. So, how are you guys looking on your on your roadmap? Is uh everything on scales or anything you've had to push back? Because I, you know, you're saying that you're only a year and a half old. Is that correct? Yeah, just a just about okay. like approaching that. Um, I mean. We we did end up pushing back kind of some of the like launch of the products into this quarter, right? And so I think like we were just rebuilding out some of the mechanisms, making sure it's extremely robust and making sure that this first version that we launched on Cosmos works well, right? Um, and then scaling it from there. So so we're on, on track for Q3 right now for this kind of Cosmos supported launch and one of the other things we were kind of working against is interchain NFTs. So the ICS 721 standard, um, there was the game of NFTs hackathon that just ended recently. Um, we placed, I believe, second place in uh, one track and then third place in, I believe, uh, the Omniflix track. And so we, we kind of submitted a product for NFT like asset management. That was really cool. And the moving part there was trying to see what kind of adoption there would be for interchain NFTs. Because ICS 721 is a standard. 
Um, I don't know if you're too familiar with it, but basically allows kind of NFTs to have this interchain connected experience, be able to be managed uh, and also transferred across interchain connected uh, like Cosmos chains. And we were exploring and also discussing with guys like Stargaze and Omniflix, what really, okay, how can this be? I think I lost you, Chris. It might just be me, but I, I there. Oh, sorry. And so that was something we were trying to figure out. Yeah. So, hey, Chris, how, how has it been working alongside Stargaze and Omniflex? Uh, has it been easy? I've been excited to incorporate you guys. How, how's your experience been? Oh, I I love I love both teams so much. Um, they have been amazing to work with, amazing to talk to. Um, so I actually first met Sisla from Omniflix down in Medellin. Uh, we have a very funny story about that, um, where basically he needed help, um, with like a bus and I spoke Spanish. And so he was looking for anyone who spoke Spanish to kind of try and figure <laughs> out how to actually get a bus and like all these different things that were happening. It was really hilarious. <laughs> um, and so that we just met through that. And then I think after that, like meeting that was when i realized that they're actually like in the nft and media mm-hmm. space so then we kind of actually came back and started exploring some collaborations and then um very recently we've been spending a lot of time talking to shane and ruan over at the Seriously? stargaze team they're great guys they're really smart they have such a strong community um so really excited to support that community however we can that's it's like one of the biggest things i think for us was it's very easy for us to use kind of the cosmos tech stack and use the cosmos sdk yeah. and just go over to ethereum and and support ethereum based nfts right because that's where all the yeah. volume is and, and that's the nft community there is much larger but we we also had this idea where it's like we're actually in a very unique position to support the cosmos nft ecosystem as well because essentially what we could do because it's cross chain is we can actually, we can create that like multi-chain experience that we envision is the future. Right. And so I had this idea where like stargaze based NFTs can be displayed in the same dashboard right alongside Ethereum based NFTs. And you can trade either of them in a very easy, seamless, frictionless process. Right. Um, and that's eventually what's going to happen to Stargaze is that it, it is going to go multi-chain. But we, we had this idea where basically we like, since we can be liquidity aggregators, like why not direct some liquidity back to the Cosmos ecosystem? Why not yeah. support some of the creators that are already here? So, you know, we're, we're starting in Cosmos, we're growing, we're scaling outside of Cosmos, but we'll always kind of try to come back and support the creators and the community that's here because that's where we came from. And you know, that's ultimately our core. That's beautiful, beautiful. Um, so I have, I have a question. Um, there's this there's this NFT team on Stargaze and on Omniflix called um, like ONFTs and Owlies. So they, they do a lot of like staking. And so in, right now, like just thinking about them and thinking about what you're doing is, is leading me to this question. So what you do is you go to Stargaze, go to Omniflix, and you give them the capabilities of, you know, using their NFTs for DeFi. Can a 
NFT project come to you and try to add things to themselves? Like, is there is there a way for individual projects to do more things with their NFTs, or is it just like a one stop shop type deal with it's just whatever you do on on Stargazing or Omniflix that's it? Or can they add different things to do like I guess more um, to what they do? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you cut out, you cut out a little bit at the end, but I kind of got the main gist of it. And, and yeah, the idea is basically we can also directly support, um, collections and creators as well. That's something that we're kind of interested in doing through our foundation, um, our supporting kind of digital artists. Uh, you know, it's, it's very much a 50, 50 experience for us between the DeFi side, but also the, the NFT side. And so, Obviously, we have a big DeFi focus and we're excited to kind of support the DeFi protocols. But at the end of the day, like art based NFTs are is like there's a very soft spot for us there. And it's a very strong and kind of passionate area that we are happy to support. And so that's kind of the kind of thing where we want to also build out maybe tooling or functionality that some of these creators can use. Right. And for example, just through like the NFT lending process, um, there is a way for creators to get access to liquidity from their creations, right? And I'll give you like a, a very unique kind of take on that. Um, a lot of NFT lending solutions are very like collection specific. And so they are providing liquidity to like NFT collections. And, and oftentimes these are blue ship NFT collections. And so it's, it's not a very scalable mechanism. Um, and what, what Unify is doing is basically we're, we're also able to scale that mechanism down to support digital artists, but also like creators of like one of ones and um, creators of collectibles on chain. Right. And so now the Unify platform can actually support the lending process or the collateralization process for one of ones. And we think that's something that's really special because as a digital artist, for example, uh, it's, there's, a, there's a kind of a barrier of entry into the NFT space because oftentimes you have to create a collection. You yes, have to work with a developer. You have to make 5,000 different variations of artwork, <laughs> yeah. right? And that's just like not feasible for everyone. So what we want to do is kind of open up that experience to these one-of-one -one creators who are creating like very unique or very high quality art pieces on chain and also looking to gain access to like multi-chain liquidity as well. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, that, you know, it's mostly has been only beneficial towards these people who create, who are sometimes are forced to create, you know, 5,000 different variations of their art form. But in reality, when you think about art, it's, you know, one piece that, that's created it's one of ones and, uh, so that, that's awesome that you guys are able to provide that for them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's something that we're really, we're really excited for. Um, because like, even if you look at like art in the real world, um, scarcity is rewarded in the real world. If there's a one of one, that makes it rare. It makes it more valuable, right? Um, art doesn't come in collections of 5,000 <laughs> in the real world. That's yeah. just not how it works. Yeah. Um, so why can't we replicate that same experience on chain? Um, yeah. That's that's kind of something that we're looking towards as well. Yeah. Some bright minds and ununify. I can tell. Definitely so, appreciate it. 
<laughs> so Chris, is there is there anything that um, you wanted to share that maybe I haven't asked you about Ununify? Like maybe something that's coming up, some alpha? Um, at the moment, no. I mean, stay tuned for kind of our updates this quarter as we get ready to launch. We're going to have some really exciting uh, updates coming up. We're also going to have some incentivized campaigns. So doing kind of like uh, incentivized airdrop for early adopters or early users of our platform. Um, that's something that we're really excited to be working on right now as we finalize those mechanisms. Um, what else? We just onboarded maybe, I want to say, six new validators to the ecosystem. Um, and so the ecosystem is growing, having, having a lot of fun there as well. And so, yeah, just, I guess, follow us on, on social media for these updates, especially this quarter. It's going to be really packed for us. A lot of stuff coming soon in the next few weeks. And so, yeah, just stay tuned. Yeah, everyone, make sure you're following Chris and Unify so uh, you guys can, you know, keep up with the latest information on what's going on. It's, it's really exciting. And I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know more about it because I honestly didn't know that much about it. And it, I really love what you guys are doing. I love the vision you shared with us today. Uh, so, yeah, really exciting things going on with Unify. Oh, I'm so, I'm awesome. so happy that we yeah. um, that we have this integration together and uh, excited for the future. Absolutely, absolutely. Very, very happy to be connected with the Babylon team. Um, very happy to kind of explore this future and as we continue to grow and also be able to integrate with you guys and actually use some of the really cool technology that Babylon is building. Awesome, awesome. So, um, I Chris, I have, I have a busy week this week. Uh, you know, I have the space with you today. And then tomorrow, we're having a space with Chain for Energy, which I just posted the link here. So tomorrow, we have another Bitcoin scaling or scaling Bitcoin sessions, episode number 11. So we get to celebrate episode 10 today for a very short while. And then we have the 11th one tomorrow. So uh, thank, thank you to everyone who's joined us here uh, listening. Uh, we've had a pretty good crowd. We're excited about that. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow if you if you join us. And Chris, once again, thank you so much for sharing your time. And uh, I definitely want to hit you up in the DM so we can talk about the Hispanic community. I'm very passionate about that, and so I think we can we can do some things together. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, looking forward to connecting with you and staying in touch. Uh, and yeah, thanks so much for hosting us. All right, thank you, and uh, goodbye, everyone.